This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Picture the scene. All of your mates around, you've got your McNugget share boxes ready to go. Partner this with your team playing champagne football. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. There's nothing quite like a McDelivery. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. He's already gone. (laughs) Sorry, guys, if you've been waiting for us and we've been a little delayed. Uh, Chris is live in Singapore right now. He's trying to find Wi-Fi and he's running around the hotel in various different rooms trying to get connected. He just said he got some connection and he goes, let's go for it. And then we see a blank screen. There we go. eh? There we go. What are we going to do? Oh, goodness. I don't even know what to say. Boys, introduce yourselves. Joshy, JW, introduce yourself. Say hello to the people. Let's hope Over, Chris you go. Soon. You go first, Josh. Hi, guys. Uh, yeah, Josh has um, been a couple of times before. Um, yeah, it's been a, a busy day here at Vale Sport, where I'm, I'm currently now in a random little pod, hopefully with no meetings planned in here, so I don't get disrupted and have to be displaced like uh, Chris. <laughs> but yeah, loads of stuff to get into and... Uh, Really, really happy to be on here tonight. We should get in. Ricky, we need to get... We've just been having a very interesting chat with Josh about the Joe Lewis situation. I know you've probably got to be careful what you say on air, Josh, but sure. obviously. But um, that, that's the stuff. I'd rather be talking about that than Lion City Sailors myself. But, you know, um, know, that was very... What you were saying was very interesting, mate. You know. 
well, I, I've got I've got a feeling that Chris will probably ask Josh about that a bit later on in the show. But if not, then we'll get into it definitely. I'll make sure that I'll squeeze it in there. Mm. What about yourself, JW? Say hello to the people. My name I'm Joe Wobble. I'm a musician. I'm extremely old and ancient. Um, so what can I say? I'm a battered old Spurs fan, you know. And whenever you think it might get better, it just gets worse. So it does, um, doesn't it? We can't yeah. have a good day, can we? Every time we have a good day, there's free. Well, I swear, I, Chris will probably know better than us because he's over there. But I swear, Ainge is already showing the first signs of manager fatigue that we've seen so often, you know, from coming in full of beans, full of enthusiasm. And he's uh, already looking a little bit tired and having to field awkward questions because Spurs <laughs> managers always end up out, out. Spurs managers are always hung out to dry, aren't they? They don't have any support of a foot director of football. You know, he's probably got far more players out there than he'd like to have. And he has to field all these awkward questions because for, as far as I'm concerned, the comms at Spurs are useless. You know, terrible comms. Just on a level of a, you know, we would expect from a corporate entity, it's pretty poor. You know, so it's always, always to do with putting out fires, the kind things already getting messy as it was a couple of years ago. It looks like Kane's camp is getting quite sussed as well now with playing the PR game. All these stories being leaked. I wonder where that's coming from. But, you know. Anyway, good we, to see we, Chris. Yeah, we were just saying hello, Chris. We just just said hello. We haven't got into anything. And here he is, the man, the myth, the legend himself, Mr. Chris Cowling. Say hello to the people, Chris. Well, welcome from Singapore. Welcome back to the channel and welcome back to another edition of the Spurs Chat Podcast. I'm absolutely delighted to bring on three very special guests to talk about Tottenham's win this evening uh, here in Singapore. And of course, Spurs have won a trophy. I know we're not going to get carried away, uh, but it was a trophy. We won it. Whether we would have won it or not won it, we would have still got bantered. Uh, we've got actor Ricky Norwood back with us. Ricky, how are you? Very well. Now that you're back, mate, I'm, I'm supersonic. I'm, I'm ready to go, my friend. But yeah, really good. I'm saying with, with the transfers and the preseason, I'm saying very, very calm. I'm looking at the, the goods, the bads, the uglies. I'm seeing where we're improving. I'm trying to look for the green shoots. So I'm saying very, very calm. I'm not going to celebrate the trophy right now. But, um, I'm, you know, it, 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 it was good overall. So looking forward to getting into it again. And it's great to be back first time in preseason. So great to be back. I, I, don't, know you, I don't know whether you guys saw it. Richarlison was actually holding the trophy and Harry Kane was next to him. And Harry Kane kind of ran away with it before anyone could put it in his hand or or put it anywhere near him. So, yeah, that was quite a funny moment. Uh, we've also got Josh Hughes back with us, of course, from Daily Mail. Josh, how are you? Yeah, doing well. Been a very, very busy day. Um, I've had enough banter from my workmates uh, for one day, uh, especially going 1-0 down. Uh, obviously, all the Joe Lewis stuff uh, happening as well, which has been uh, it's just an outrageous, um, massive, massive story. So, yeah, it's been crazy, but looking forward to talk Tottenham and, and not have to get this stuff out for the masses um, and actually just unwind a little bit um, and reflect on, on some of the stuff that, that we've seen. And, uh, of course, thanks for having me back on the channel. Lovely to have you here. And we've got Joy Wobble here for the very, very first time, of course, singer. Joy, how are you? And thanks for coming on. Yeah, I, I, well, you know, I was just saying to the lads, you know, a battered old Spurs fan, I was just starting to get optimistic. And I am swear, yep. I was just saying to the lads, you would know better than us because you're out there. I swear I'm seeing the first signs of manager fatigue in Ange, you know, 
that 100% Aussie optimism is already just getting slightly <laughs> fatigued, you know. Um, because as, as ever, like all Spurs managers, hung out to dry. You don't get the necessary support you should be getting from a director of football, having to field a lot of stuff, you know, that you should fit questions, you shouldn't be having to field, etc., etc. Terrible comms from back here, you know, back in this country. The comms around Kane, around everything. Typical of Tottenham communications for a corporate, a supposedly corp, well-run corporate company are pretty poor as far as I'm concerned, you know. So I rely more on you, Chris, every day I see your updates, you know, and that's kind of where it's at because you won't find even It's just from the club where you get to kind of glossy, ghastly spin on everything. Everyone's really happy, you know. <laughs> there is always a drama. Especially yeah. when you support Tottenham. Um, Joe, let's start the show with you because, of course, Spurs won 5 1 against Lion City Sailors here in Singapore this evening. Um, of course, Spurs went 1 0 down, as Josh rightly said. Uh, Harry Kane equalised just before half time, and then um, Postacoglu changed the 11 players again, like he did in Australia. Richardson with a hat trick this evening, and Lacelso getting the other goal. What did you make of the game overall? Me? Yeah. Yeah, uh, well. I thought I thought we, 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 our first half performance coming forward with this new system, we look as laboured as we'd looked in the conf, the conference Europa League a few years ago. You know, I thought I was a bit disappointed with Kulusevski. He had a lot of the ball, didn't really do much with it. A lot of our play was laboured and a bit obvious. It was often being spread wide out on the right to Kulusevski, and he had two defenders he was facing up to. Didn't seem to have the confidence to go past the man. Second half, and we, we, we got back. It, you know, it was, uh, it was, I actually laughed my head off when we conceded. We conceded against Lion City Savers. Unbelievable. I thought, come back into it with a pen, you know, slightly fortuitous, maybe. We didn't really, we were struggling to score. Second half, as in the West Ham game, I thought the B team overall were better, with one or two exceptions. B team were better. I thought that Richie, Ricky looked good up front. I, I, hey, suddenly you remember what a good player Perisic is with Lo Celso. Lo Celso looks like a viable number eight to me, you know. Um, and they looked a lot more solid. Uh, I thought they looked a lot more definite. They looked a lot more aggressive defensively, you know, um, in the second half. So I thought it was a good workout. With, uh, that for me, it's a pretty poor... I'm sure for you it's lovely. I love the Far East, by the way, you know. But So I love, I, I love being over there. But for me, you know, to have played just two games, one of them against what I assume is a part-time team, is pretty poor at this stage of the pre-season for me. You should have been... To go to Thailand in monsoon season is just asking for trouble. Great to sell shirts, I get that, but that's, that shouldn't be happening. You know, you, should, you, you need these games under your belt, especially under these circumstances. But the most obvious thing is <laughs> I won't be telling any of you anything you don't know we need centre-backs. That was very obvious throughout the game. We need a commanding guy there. I'm not even convinced with with Romero. He had a very shaky moment in the second half when he lost balance and could easily have stumbled and lost the ball, you know. But overall, lots of good stuff. And Basuma, in the first half, the two bright sparks I can remember that I, I like were Basuma. I think he's looking good coming forward. And Saar. I thought Saar looked quite good, actually. Those two. Oh. New season with Saar, Bissouma, and um, 
and Lo Celso. I'd like at this point, I would like Lo Celso to stay. He looks really dangerous in and around the box. Defensively, they really scare me. We need superhuman centre backs because not only are they going to have to defend one on one a lot against forwards, they're going to have to compensate for our full backs who can't defend. Rick, let's come to you. And to put some perspective on it, um, the locals actually expected Spurs to get double figures today, uh, big numbers in terms of goals, because they said to me, a number of them said to me last night and today, um, that Lion City uh, Sailors are the equivalent of like a, a League Two team or a Vauxhall Conference team in the UK. Um, what do you make of it? Mate, we've lost against those teams as well. <laughs> do you know what I mean? In the last... So, you know what, like, uh, pre-season is pre-season, okay? We, we know it should have been Roma, um, which would have been a, a better test and a, and a better kind of uh, measuring stick for, for what the boys are trying to implement. Of course, we've had four seasons of, of defensive, um, you know, uh, regimental football, um, horseshoe, boring football. And, uh, and the, it takes a minute to get out of out of that sink. And, and that's why that Leicester game was really important for us to have that number two game then, because we are pretty much behind in, in terms of games and numbers, uh, minutes on the pitch for all of our players uh, against the rest of the league, basically. Um, even West Ham, by the time we played West Ham, I think that was their third, third game and that was our first game. So, you know, that's why that Leicester game was really important. Um, so today, you know, they've had a, a, an extra couple of days of training, it's, for me, it's all about trying to see those patterns of play and the difference between uh, Conte, Mourinho, Nuno and Postacoglu. Um, and, and you're seeing that. You're seeing a, a lot more triangles. You're seeing a lot more speed. Um, uh, uh, the, the speed in the, the transition is really kind of exciting for me to see how quickly they pop that ball around, one-touch football to get it up <clears throat> into the op opponent's half. So those are the things that I was looking at. There were some bright sparks with some of the players. Um, you know, I, I thought Yudoji, was it Yudogi? Yudogi. Yudogi, he looks immense. He looks huge. He looks quick. Um, there's still some things that he needs to work on in that position. But I, I think the more games that he gets and the more that he trains with the players and understands the runs and, and where people people's positions are going to be um, I think he could be a really dangerous player for us and a, uh, and a, an attacking threat as well as a you know as well as a defender so I think there's a bright spark there like Jay was saying there you know um, I think Saar Basuma again looks good um, who else uh, I think Harry and Sonny Sonny that was his first half of football since the operation and, you know, he's working his way back in. So they didn't look too, too on it. Kane didn't look too, too on it, as, as bright and as, as kind of chirpy as he normally does. Kulisewski, ooh, I mean, Kulisewski right now looks like a player. You know, when we first signed him in those first three games, everyone was kind of like, is this the guy? Is this the guy? We don't know. Does He looks a bit slow or he, I don't know whether his touch is there. And he didn't look slow today, but it, it, it looks like he's still in second gear trying to build his fitness and, and kind of, you know, up up his levels. Um, I, I am a little bit apprehensive. I won't say scared. I am a little bit apprehensive with his decision-making at this particular point in pre-season. There are certain times where he was, he, he was gone and he had to switch it back onto that left foot. He couldn't just kind of whip it in. There was a ball that I saw from, 
I think it was it was either Poro or Saw that just put him down the line, and he there was ages of was it Saw? It was yeah, Saw that he's both great pass. Yeah, great, fantastic pass, right? And he, you know, Kulisevsky should have done a lot more with that. Um, you know, switching back onto his left foot can can be read as predictable, and and can you know can, can be easy for an opposition to kind of when we get to the Premier League. To, to train against him and to kind of defend his movements. So I would still like to see him in a number eight position just for an experiment and to see Poro on the wing. I would love to see that. I uh, don't think it's going to happen right now. But um, there were some bright sparks. And like Jay was saying there, second half, the, the, the second half team, you know, they've got a lot to prove there. Um, you know, Royale started to get his his game going a little bit. I thought he was a bit behind against West Ham, but he started to up his level a little bit. But you can't, it's, it's tough to even judge these bright sparks because of the position, the opposition that we was against, you know? Um, so we can only, we can only say what we see. And there were bright sparks around, around the pitch. Lascelles, I think he's, he's, he's nailed on to stay. Um, I think him and Madison could be really dangerous with Basuma behind, especially while, Benton Kerr is recovering. We don't know how he's going to come back from that injury and we don't know how he's going to play after that injury. So um, I think Lo Celso has definitely done himself a few favours. Um, I think Perisic, like Jay was saying there, Perisic on the wing looks like a different player as well where he doesn't have to track back too often. He looked, he looks big, he looks strong. He could use the, the pace that he does have to beat a man and he's dribbling and he's crossing. You know, we all know that he's, He's good at those things, but um, he's definitely looking good right now. And Solomon, Solomon, you know, he was much more effective on the right side than um, than Kulu was um, in that first half. So he's doing himself some favours as well. And Richie, bloody hell, did he need that hat-trick? Oh, my gosh. I mean, having two offside goals, a hat-trick, do you know what I mean? And anything else, he was tumbling over, he was falling over left, right. I don't know what was happening. He was getting fouled. And, but it was good for him to get those goals, um, not just for himself, but for all of us as well. Because, you know, he needs, um, he needs some faith. He needs some energy behind him going into the season. So there were bright sparks. But what can we say? It was against an opposition where we should have gone into double figures. We, you know, 5-1 doesn't flatter us, you know, um, really. Uh, we got the job done, but I'm I'm kind of happy about that goal that we conceded, Chris and the boys, because again it reiterates the problems that we have. Do you know what I mean? And I know we'll jump into it, but it reiterates those problems and it reiterates the fact that again for the third, fourth season, uh, transfer season, transfer window in a row, that we've been after defenders and we still haven't got them. So come on, Spurs, make it happen, because who knows where this Tottenham team could go. Josh, what did you make of it? Because Ange Postacoglu said straight after the game, I thought we played some decent football and the attitude was right, um, was, was really great until the end. Um, would you have preferred us to play Roma rather than this local Singapore team? Of course. Uh, I thought the performance against West Ham was significantly better than the performance today. But I think that a, a big part of that is the opposition that you play. The level is higher because you were playing against better players. So I had both Spurs and Man City Bayern Munich on at the same time as I was um, I was having to do work on both of those games. And the quality of football in the City Bayern Munich game was far and away above 
the Spurs game. But that being said, um, yeah, I, I echo some of the points that have been made. You know, I think that we were good in certain areas. I think we were fine in others. Um, but, uh, you know, it was worth getting bantered. It was worth the kind of laugh out loud moment of going one nil down against the Lion City sailors, because again, it highlights the problem that we all know. If all of us can see this problem and have seen this problem for years, why do those above not see this problem? Um, yeah. it, it just baffles me. Um, I thought it, it was really concerning, actually, that our so-called full strength team was the one that was so poor. Uh, and I think it's actually made me question and of course yes some of them haven't been in training as long of course but it makes me question who actually are our first choice players now um, yeah. and that's a good situation to be in actually because Lucelso was probably a write-off before pre-season started to many fans now for me he's a nailed on starter he's got to start because both against West Ham and today he was a real difference maker mm -hmm. I thought Saar was excellent. Saar is really excelling um, in this role and in the midfield three. I think having that ability to get a bit further forward, um, he was doing exactly the type of things that he was doing when he played AC Milan and when he played Portsmouth as well, which was constantly demanding the ball, constantly moving into spaces and wanting the ball at his feet, wanting to make things happen. That is a hungry, hungry player. And at his age, I mean, the, the sky's the limit for him. I, I'm really excited to see what he can do this season. And and hopefully, you know, and Andrew's comments about Saar uh, are really convincing as well. So maybe a big season for him. Makes me also wonder if Hoybier does get sold, whether Saar is that natural replacement. Um, I still think we probably need to bring one through. But, you know, Saar certainly is showing so far that he has the potential if not the ability to to step in seamlessly uh, into the team. Yeah, I agree with the points made about Kulusevski. I thought he, he was really unconvincing, really kind of meh. Um, and we've been saying this about Kulusevski ever since he first got injured, um, sort of in November time um, last season. And he's never quite kicked on since. And it was one of those that I was having this debate a few months back with some fans on a Twitter space saying, you know, how many games should it take for a player after an injury to kind of get back into their groove and get back into the swing of things? And the kind of consensus was around three or four games. He's been back for dozens now and is still not at those levels. Looks a yard slower than he was. Doesn't look as confident. I know, obviously, we've had a break, but um, Manor Solomon, again, far more convincing. Um, I was told by... Um, uh, one of the one of the fans who, who happens to know some of the South American boys, I referred to him before, um, and he, he told me uh, Romero was wowed by him in training and has been calling him Maradonaman um, because of his ability in training, apparently so quick, good with both feet. And Romero said he was very, very hard to stop in training. So if that's true uh, and coming out of, of the Spurs camp, then that's really exciting. Again, agree with Perisic. Perisic is a winger, has always been a winger, was never, ever going to work as a wing-back in the Premier League at his age uh, and with the kind of pace and demands of the league. But name a better ball kind of 
name a better player that can deliver a cross and deliver a pass than Perisic. You'll struggle. I think he's been more effective even than Madison at doing that so far. Um, which actually brings me to Madison. Um, really, kind of nothing special so far. I know it's early days, and you know you can't judge in pre-season per se. But against this opposition, I was really hoping that he would have a big impact, and he would kind of, and he got into some good areas. But I was, I was just hoping to see, you know, that James Madison that we all are expecting to see when the season actually starts. So um, at the minute, I mean, if it was potentially one of Lacelso or Madison to start, I would be picking Lacelso right now because purely on form, one has been a standout and the other has been pretty uh, unconvincing. I would also say Harry Kane looked completely disinterested, completely disinterested. Um, his movements were poor. He had a couple of opportunities, completely snatched it. Of course, he does what he does best when the ball is on the penalty spot was never in doubt. Um, but Richarlison was attacking the defenders. He was causing problems for the goalkeeper. He was running into space. He was picking up the positions. He was getting in the kind of tug of war with the defenders, the pulling of the shirt here and there, um, making life hard for them. And, you know, with that extra yard of pace as well, I thought, again, it made a difference. And this is not to say or doubt Harry Kane in any way. But uh, it did probably make me question where Harry Kane's head is at because, um, yeah, I mean, obviously he, he needs more minutes, but he looks quite far off it. And normally we don't say that about Harry Kane. Often we, in pre-season, he is as fit as they get, um, you know, and he's, he's been quite prolific for us in pre-season. So um, other than that, I thought um, the other difference maker was, was Requiem um, and, and Emerson. Um, now, I know, Chris, when, when we were speaking the other day, you yeah. weren't so sure if, if Reguilon was going to even be on the plane and we were having that little debate. Yeah. And I, I remember, you know, making the case to say, for me, Reguilon is the most natural left-back for Angie's system that we currently have. Udoji could be that player, 100%, but he needs time to develop. But for me, again, as good and exciting and as physical and quick as Udoji is, um, you know, if Brentford was next week, who would I be picking? I'd be picking Reggio. I think he was he was far better, more accomplished defensively and um, offered, um, you know, some good options going forward. He played some great balls into um, Perisic and he also worked really well when he was inverted, which is something we haven't really seen much of Reguilon doing um, under Mourinho and, you know, in, in previous years. So that was really exciting to see. And of course, I mean, I don't really think I have to say much more than, than Emerson is a far, far better defender than Pedro Porro. Um, and although Porro, I think, offers more going forward, right now, until we've got a centre-back through the door or two centre-backs through the door, we have to think about our defensive uh, solidity. And I don't think we can afford to essentially play with a back one in Romero when you're playing Porro and Davis and... Uh, and Adoji, because, uh, you know, Adoji and Poro take up these high positions. Um, uh, Davis just isn't good enough at all and was found out again today. He was miles out of position for that first goal. Poro, of course, missed the cross, um, you know, and, and that, of course, and, and there was obviously a point about Romero um, 
JW, I think you said you, you weren't entirely convinced by Romero. Well, no, I, I think Romero needs a solid partner and, and it's easy to be pulled out of position and look poor and be forced into mistakes when the defenders around you are so poor. Um, so for me, yeah, I think I think actually I will hope for, for Shakhtar and for Barcelona, we see, you know, players like Solomon and Reguilon and Emerson embedded into the team. I, to be honest, I, I think... You know, I'm fine with Vicario. I'm fine with Romero, Saar and Basuma. Um, but everyone else, I think, probably hasn't yet proved that they deserve to start in this team, um, which I wasn't, you know, gonna, I wasn't planning on saying or thinking I was going to say after today and, and after West Ham and obviously Leicester before that got cancelled. So, yeah, really interesting times ahead. But I think Ange actually now has a selection dilemma that, I don't think even he probably expected when he came into the club, which is actually, I think, quite positive for us. Josh, do you want to come back to your point about Harry Kane? You saying he looked disinterested. I'll tell you what, this trip has really taken it out of me and many fans travelling around watching Spurs. These players are being worked extremely hard. I don't think I don't think Harry Kane and Co are looking disinterested. I think they're absolutely shattered because the yesterday's training session was extremely hot conditions. And they are being worked extremely hard. And every single time I've seen Harry Kane, um, you know, in the three training sessions, um, his finishing has been absolutely exceptional as per normal. And uh, he has been on it. So I, I wouldn't really go along with that. I, I know it's very easy for all of us to look at Harry Kane sometimes. And if he does the wrong thing or, or just looks the wrong way or just acts a different way, everyone's just going to pounce on it saying he's looking disinterested and he wants to go. But we'll talk about Harry Kane later. Um, Joe, I want to come to you because all of you guys have turned around and said Pape Matassar, Giovanni Lo Celso, Perisic have probably been the standout performers so far in the two games. Where does that leave us, this transfer window? Because Josh was right. You know, we spoke at length the other day and, um, you know, we probably need to offload eight to ten players in this transfer window. But when these players are playing exceptionally well, that probably a lot of us didn't expect, where does that leave Ange Postacoglu and the club in terms of selling players on? Well, it's a tough, it's a tough call. But this is probably part of the reason why. They're playing well because they're, you know, Regulian. Where's he? Maybe not so much Lo Celso. He could go to Villa. He'd be fancied by a lot of clubs. Regulian, I'm not, you know, for him, he's back into a mid-placed Spanish team at best in La Liga. So he's really playing for his future. And I agree with what Josh said. I thought he looked, he was the better today. He happens to be the better left back. And and by the way, I've never thought he was the the dog shit. Maybe I shouldn't say that, but that a lot of people said he was because I think he was a decent player. Just yeah. wasn't giving enough guidance defensively. You know, it did stupid things like that. Too casual against West Ham, he cost us a goal, didn't he? Stuff like that. That's got to be ironed out. But he's not the terrible, terrible player that that a lot of Spurs fans were saying he was. Then again, I remember Spurs fans telling me that Walker was was rubbish. You know, so that's Spurs fans for you. They used to be knowledgeable, not so sure now. But yeah, it makes a hard choice. He can't keep the amount of players he has. There might be one of two surprise departures. I mean, even Holby at Bergheim was, which has been talked about, that seemed like a bit of a surprise departure. Now, of course, it turns out Atletico have got to let a player go 
before he does. But whoever's best at this time, this is you know, you can't think you've got to go with who's best in the pre-season. That's football. Tottenham hasn't been enough of a meritocracy over the years. You know, I've got to say, I, I, in a way, I want Kane to go. I don't know if he will, but I think I think he probably wants to go. And now's the time to get a bit of money for him. And just, I think it makes it easier for the new manager, in a way, to start off at this a new era without Kane. And the club's got to be bigger than any one player anyway. I know a lot of people would vehemently disagree with it. I understand it. But if he was one of the departures, it wouldn't bother me so much. I know he, he really seems to fancy Skip, the new manager. But if Skip went out on loan again, I, at this point, I wouldn't be too upset. The thing about Saad, I always like from the get-go anyway. I'd like Saad to stay. All the ones we're talking about right now, I would like to stay. Obviously, a dogie will stay. You know, he's, he's not going to go anywhere. That's fine. You want two players in every position, even if you haven't got European football. So, I'm not sure, you know, Sanchez, who shouldn't be over there now anyway. That's mad. The San- what, why? If he's looking for another club, that's crazy. So, Sanchez shouldn't be there. In any case, and he's going to be going, one would hope. Personally, I would want Davis to go. Davis was a backup left back, has been a good servant to the club. But Harry's got the amount of games in that he has. As same as Dyer, I don't know. So for me, it would have to be Davis should go, Dyer should go, God bless them. You know, they've not been the worst players we've had, but they've not been the, the best. So they'd be the players. I, the, one, the, the ones that maybe to be retained it would surprise people. Low Celso, he should stay. Saar. There's another one who should stay for sure. Basuma, I think, is going to have really come good under this manager. Obviously, Madison's there. That's all good. Um, in terms of players going, other players going out, um, Perisic now I'd want to stay, I must admit. He's, he's suddenly, him and Lo Celso, odds on to have a great partnership on that left-hand side. You know, they look really... Because with Perisic, he's such a smart player. You don't know if he's going to play a short... Um, Lo Celso smart, he comes for it sometimes he goes off the defender, the movement's first class, so you know Holberg, I would, my instinct would say he could go, I'd rather him go you've got to let these players go we all know the real Deadwood I think we're probably, what, who are we talking about here the surprise keepers Lo Celso, Regulian Saar they, they were- well John, let- let, let, let me ask you, who would be your first choice right back and who would be your first choice left back? Because Ange Postacoglu seems to really like Ben Davis and he's and he's really putting him forward as though he's going to be playing left back for us. Well, I, I wonder if that's a political thing as well, if, he, if that's come from a sort of instruction from Levy saying, you know, you can't let everyone go. You know, I don't know. Maybe he thinks he, he can do something. It would bother me because you can do better than that for sure. I'd start with Emerson Royal all day long as right back because Emerson Royal, yet again, and I, I was on record for saying it, but he was getting the stick he was getting. I was on record yeah. to saying this guy is not a bad player. You could tell yeah. he had a good engine and you could tell he was, you know, I saw his, I knew he psychologically was, was mentally strong when I saw his little, um, he'd do a little showcase clip on YouTube. And this is when everyone's booing him. And I thought, this guy, He's, he's mentally strong. You can't, you can't, you cannot play Poro at right back and have someone like Adogi on the other side. You, I was there when we had um, our dealers managing us for a while. You know, back in the nineties, I literally remember seeing us play without a defence. I've never seen a team play without a defence 
honestly, but I saw us play without a defence on three or four. But the biggest occasion away to Man City, we played without a defence. It was I've never seen anything like it, even on Sunday League. You can't have a, a situation where you've got one decent defender, Romero, who scares me at times anyway. He's a bit of a ball in a china shop, you know. Obviously, we've just gone nowhere near replacing Vertonghen and Eldervald, who were two Rolls-Royce defenders. You know, Arsenal got one in this Saliba. You know, Rolls-Royce defenders, Ledley King. That's what you've got to get. And if you're not bringing one through the ranks then you've got to go and buy them. You've got to go and pay top dollar the way Liverpool did for Van Dijk. So uh, my answer to that would be Emerson Roll at right back at, at this point. I'm sure Poro can be taught to defend and all that. That's fine. Tanganga's another one who, was, who I thought was actually decent second half, but he's a guy that I would, unless, you know, and can, he's got the physicality, but he just, he, even today in situations when he was coming forward a bit, he, he struggles to make that three-yard pass on occasions. You know, gives it away, wins it back quick, as you would do against this opposition. But that's where I'd be. I would start with Regulian on the left, would be my starters for the first game of the season. I'd have Emerson Roll on the right, because Emerson Rolls, as we saw last year, can play on the, he, he, he can really sit in there on, on the right of of a three-man defence. Not that we're going to play three men, but he, he's got a bit of the centre-back about him and he's definitely can handle being an inverted um, fullback in the way that Ange likes. So I would start probably Romero, but you have to, have to, have to get at least one centre-back in. Class guy that comes in as as is calm and strong and, you know, is has got that positional awareness and has got something about themselves to help organise everybody else. This was why Larice was made to look so good. I mean, he was a good keeper, Larice, but Oldervald and Vertonghen organised that, that that back four so well that they did the shouting for Larice a lot of the time. You know, they did the organising in front of him. If we don't buy a, at least one proper, proper centre-half, we could be banging trouble. It could be the difference between a nightmare season, a scary, scary season, and and having a decent season, you know. So yet again, all eyes are on Levy. It's so weird. We we actually step up to the plate and go and get Madison. We all needed. We all knew we needed a good number ten at that point. But he can't seem to see it. But the centre back position is it's very strange to me, you know. I think everyone sees it. I think it's just a case of how much money they need to pay for decent centre-backs. Ricky, let's come to you because I more or less said exactly what Jai said there earlier today to somebody um, because I remember the good old Aussie Idealist days, especially the start of the 94-95 season when we had Nick Barmby, Anderton, Sheringham, Klingsman and Co. Dumitrescu going forward and it was all attack, attack, attack. It was fantastic to watch. But Jai's absolutely right. The defending... There wasn't any defending. It was just all about entertaining football, win games 4-3, lose them 6-2 and so on. Um, do you think there's going to be an element of that with Ange Postacoglu? Because I've got to say, the three um, training sessions that I've seen, no defensive work whatsoever. It has just all been about attacking uh, systems and uh, front foot football. Do you worry about that? Because it's 18 days until we play Brentford and the defence at the moment is exactly the same. Yeah. I do worry about that, Chris. I do. And that's why I really wanted at least one of these defenders to to go on the tour. 
you know, uh, the, the quicker that they're in there, the, the quicker they can get up to speed and get to know Romero as a partner and they can get to form a partnership. You know, Andrew's already spoken about partnership and partnerships all over the pitch and how important they are. And the centre-back partnership is one of the most important. Do you know what I mean? So um, I am worried a little bit. Um, also, I mean, you know, the uh, Vicaro is a new keeper. We're not going to see him really be the keeper that he is until at least, like, I don't know, five to seven games or maybe ten can, games into the season. Can, can I just I mean? stop and say about Vicario? Because are you surprised in both games? What are Spurs and Ange Postacoglu getting out of putting Brandon Austin in for the second half? I get giving players, you know, time and, and giving them a chance, but surely you're buying Vicario. He's going to be your number one goalkeeper. Why not put him in for the second 45 minutes in both matches? I, I, that's one thing I don't understand. I, firstly, I, th I think that he will start begin to play Vicario for ninety minutes from this point on. I think this is this was the tour, and I think he wanted to give everybody a fair crack and give everybody time. So, if if it would have gone the way that it should have gone, everybody should have got three halves of football. You know, um, with Austin, I know he's a young keeper, but there is something about him that I like. I like he's I like how big he is. I like how strong he is. Um, we haven't really, as Tottenham fans, we haven't really seen him uh, for for a, a good amount of time to be able to judge him. But I think that there could be a good keeper in there, and maybe we're looking to keep him around for the number three goalkeeper spot. You know, um, so that's why he's given him a go. Um, I think he's given everybody a go. I think, as I was saying to to, to Jay a, a bit earlier. Um, the reason that he's taken Sanchez and taken the amount of people that he has is because, really and truly, he doesn't know who he's going to be left with. The reason that he's talking up Davies is because he doesn't know who he's going to be left with. And he's a new manager coming in. He can't come in and go, oh, you're rubbish, you're crap, you can, you can do one, yeah, get out of my side. He can't really do that publicly, especially. Do you know what I mean? Being a new manager coming in, and especially after all of the, the, the bloody well circus that we've had at the end of well, yeah, the second half of the season, that's just gone, you know. So we've had a lot of turbulence. And so he's come in, Andrew's come in to kind of steady the ship, to calm the waters and to push us forward. So that, that is my guess at why he's given Austin and those others in and around the squad time to give him an option, to give him a go, to, to, to say, look, uh, you know, I saw you, but, you know, it, it's not the one. And I think that that puts him in a stronger position as well when he goes to Levy or whoever he's speaking to and kind of goes, look, I've given this one a shot. I don't think it's going to work out with him. I think we need to get rid of him. And that's where the surprise, what we were talking about earlier, that's where the surprise transfers will come from. Um, but yeah, I think that's why, that's why he's giving him time, Chris. That's why I think he's giving him time. Um, I forgot what question you, we jumped, we started with. Bloody hell. What's, what question did Vicario. you start with? Vicario. Thank you, Jay. Somebody was listening. I'm not looking at you, Josh. You've been texting all this time. I see you, mate. Um, <laughs> yes. Yeah, so, so uh, no, uh, 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 the, the things that I was kind of scared of, which is the when he does make a save, he parries back into the, the kind of the box, creates a bit of danger there for follow-ups and stuff like that. The crossing. Now, we can't judge him. We can't judge him. Um, as yet, we can only say what we see, and he's he's got a lot, he's got a lot to do right now. Not only has he got a bed in with the new teammates, 
he's got a claim authority over that number one shirt, even though it's not number one. And I think this is the reason as well that Andrew's not kind of coaching the defense because he's only got one defender. In he in he said he hasn't got his he, he hasn't got his defend defensive partnership yet. He, they haven't brought in the the players that he wants. And you know from what we've been hearing is Capsober and Vanderven. Well, he hasn't got them in to start training with them and to try and get them into the the, the vibe. Do you know what I mean? The Ange way. So um, I think that's probably why. And the 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 preseason training that you've seen. Where that's been in the stadium in front of fans, he's probably wanted to do the attacking stuff to give them some entertainment and to give them something to go home with and to give everybody something to cheer about. If everybody was working defensive lines, even though it'd be interesting to us and you, Chris, I know, um, to see what they're doing and how they're shaping up and how we're going to move forward defensively, with those in Perth and in Singapore and in Thailand, like, I think he wanted to show those fans out there and, and give a taste of this attacking football that's about to come, you know? So that's why I think he's been doing what he's doing. Those training sessions, by the way, were exactly the same, like carbon copy training sessions. Were Josh, they? another player I want to talk about, um, Davinson Sanchez. Now, there's teams at the moment that are in for Davinson Sanchez and Ange Postacoglu in a press conference the other day said that he is looking for a move. Was it right to bring a player like Davinson Sanchez on this tour when it's quite obvious that he's going to leave in this summer window? You know, Lloris stayed at home. So uh, why I'm bring sorry. someone down to uh, Chris, I, I talked about it earlier and I'm, I think it's madness. And I think if you had a director of football there, it wouldn't be allowed to happen. A director right, sorry. of football would step in, he'd, he would know the squad, he would stop that happening. You know, yeah. so to me, it's crazy. He shouldn't be there. There's probably one or two players who we would accept offers for who shouldn't be there as well. But Sanchez is number one guy that shouldn't be there. His time at the club is done, you know. Um, I was there for his debut. It was at Wembley, I think, against um, Swansea. And um, at Wembley, when we were playing at Wembley for a while. And I, absolutely, it was somebody like... It wasn't Wilfred Boney. It was a canny centre-forward, someone like Wilfred Boney. Gave him a hard time, and I just thought this guy. And I've never ever lost that sense of unease with saying, I'm sure he's a lovely guy and all that, you know, I'm sure, but you know, never lost that sense of unease. And his sell by date's well gone for him to be carted halfway around the world isn't fair on him. He, he won't want to be there. I'm surprised Daniel wants to spend the extra money on a, a you know, an extra fare there, an extra hotel room. You know, he shouldn't be there, mate. No, and to me, it. It says a lot about the club and how the structure is. There's been no real change since, we, it, you know, the, the Italian guy, since Paratici went, you know. This Scott Munn came in as a sort of overall football director, not director of football, as I understand it, but head of operations. Now, he was supposed to start on the 1st of July. Now, with any big corporate company, Everyone knows how long the notice period is going to be, if there's going to be a notice period of that person before they start work. So to get that wrong somehow, where he then has to stay on, is it indefinitely at the City Group? Seems incredible. So yet again, it always strikes me that Daniel Levy's just very hands-on, you know, that isn't maybe isn't great at delegating, you know. Um, 
you know, I've heard the stories that over the construction of the stadium and getting it, this minute detail. And that's sometimes you need a big picture guy. And, you know, if you can't be handed it, just get somebody in a director of football no, and says to Ange, look, don't have this because it's an extra body you don't need to contend with. He's taken up space. So he comes on in the second half against West Ham. Doesn't do terrible, as, as Sanchez often doesn't. He's, he's, he's got poise, he's got class, until he's suddenly like Bambi on ice. And he stepped up and he should have cut that through ball out that was the winning goal, right? You know, I mean, I remember that face plant at City. Even I've never done anything like that. Playing on, <laughs> down a park, you know. I mean, God bless him, you know. It's yeah, but just... coming out the pub, mate, I've seen you do that. Don't talk about it like Aye, that. Hey, that's been... That's been 37 years this year, mate, since I, I was falling over, going on back oh. and with a pint of lager in me, hand. 37 oh. years, mate, well, because I've become well done, a nuisance. Well but anyway, he shouldn't, he shouldn't be there, should he? We, we, I'm sure the four of us would just think it's ridiculous. It's taking up space on the training ground. You, you, you're not, yet again, Levy isn't doing everything he could. The, make ensuring the club's doing everything to make the new gaffer's life easy. Let's not forget, you know, Conte, everyone was sick of Conte by the end of it. I accept that. But Con, what Conte said in that rant, a lot of that was true. Managers are left out to, to hang out to dry at Tottenham. That's a fact, you know. And you're already seeing Postigula isn't being given all the help he needs to make a good fist of this. Not least in he's not being given players in key positions. Lee's asking, where is Scott Munn? I'll tell you what, I haven't seen Scott Munn in any of these three countries so far. So I don't know where we would see him at the Tottenham Hotspur Stadium when we play Shakhtar Donetsk uh, Saturday week. Um, Josh, let's come to you. Um, Van der Ven and Tapsoba. The speculation has been going on for weeks and you know, so many media reports have stated that these deals are very, very close. Do you have any latest information on these two deals? Uh, just just that the talks are ongoing. Um, my understanding was that with Van de Ven, um, the fee was pretty much agreed. Um, but the the difficulty was on actually the Wolfsburg end, which was that Tottenham uh, had set out a time of which they wanted to pay the fee because it wasn't all going to be up front. Uh, Wolfsburg wanted that fee to be paid uh, a fair bit quicker than Tottenham were first anticipating. And um, as a result of that, Wolfsburg would need to bring in a replacement of their own. To bring in a player of the level that they would be looking for would require Tottenham to pay a bigger sum up front because they've got their own checkbooks and their own kind of um, finances to be balanced. So, that was the difficulty. I think they're starting to twist Tottenham's arm with this. I still expect Van der Ven to be done. Taps over again. Um, it, it's a price tag thing. It's once again, Daniel Levy, unprepared to just pay the asking price. It's always got to be 5 million here. It's always got to be 10 million there. Whatever the asking price is, heck, if a player had a £5 million release clause, he'd try and get them for £1 million. That is our chairman. Um, so, um, I, I, on taps over, I genuinely don't know. I know that he's still supposedly the number one target. I personally would prefer 
Tosin Adarabayo uh, at Fulham. I think he is a better fit. He ticks all the boxes, Prem proven as well, and would be cheaper going into the last year of his contract. Um, and, and I still expect Clement Longley to be done before the end of the window. I wouldn't be surprised if that one gets done. I think now is going to be the time, um, you know, where we do start to finally see some action. But it's unfortunately too late because Ange needed these players in before flying out to Perth so that they could be embedded into the system. Because this is the thing, right? If you have a competent back line, you know, we've been talking about some of the training drills that Tottenham have been doing, all of the focus on attacking football. Completely agree with Ricky's point, by the way, in terms of giving those fans in, uh, in Asia and in Australia a flavour of what's to come. Yeah. Um, you know, from my perspective, a flavour of what's to come is another year of defensive calamities if we don't act. And personally, I just think that if we brought those defenders into the club, you know, rather than waiting for Sanchez to be sold, and by the way, a complete waste of space, completely agree. Then, you know, this is the thing. Big clubs buy players in before they sell uh, those that need to be moved on. And they are prepared to sell players for a little bit cheaper sometimes. It means getting them out the door. Um, with a good back line, if you've got a player like Van der Ven and a player like Tapsoba or Tossin or even Longley through the door, chances are you wouldn't even need to do a huge amount of defensive work because you already have much better defenders, much better football brains at the back. Romero's got a competent partner. We've obviously seen, we've had, you know, uh, the, the discussion already on the fullbacks. And I, I agree. I think Regulon and Emerson should be the starting two. You know, put a good left centre-back in there as a starting point. At least one should have been brought in. And we probably wouldn't even be having this conversation. So, um, yeah, I mean, uh, th there's nothing really new other than that talks are ongoing. I still expect us to bring in at least one, if not two, um, minimum. Uh, and, and then the rest depends on outgoings, of course. But it's too little too late because Ange needed these players. He needs players to understand his system. What is the point of having Davinson Sanchez there or, or anyone for that matter that's going to be sold uh, on the tour, if if that was always the plan all along. Of course, there are going to be players like, you know, Saar, who have proven themselves on this tour. That's natural. But, uh, yeah, it, it's baffling. And, you know, if, if there was any uh, further proof that we needed defenders, it's conceding a goal to a team that is not even first, but third in the Singapore Premier League. So, um I think it's clear for everyone to see. Uh, and hopefully now we go back to England. Um, the players, you know, really step it up now and, and we can bring those defenders in. It cannot wait for the season to have already begun at all. Um, we, it, that is 100%. In, under no circumstances can any of our centre-back signings wait until the season has begun. Unless... You're going to pull out some left field, fifty million pound, sixty million pound world beater from Real Madrid or 
or one of the European giants. You're going to sign one of the top European defenders. Probably not going to happen. So, um, bar that, and, and I will call that a miracle, um, yeah, it, it, it's, it's not good enough at all. And I don't see how any fan can be, uh, can be content with this. I said at the start before the tour, I said, I'm going to be calm about the centre-back situation. I believe we'll get defenders in. Um, but we cannot get to Singapore without having signed one. And we've passed Singapore now. Players have played that game uh, and, and it's too late, in my opinion. And, and of course, the same thing with Ashley Phillips as well. Um, that's another one that kind of came out of the blue. I know a player we've admired for a long time. Uh, again, I, I know people will jump on Daniel Levy for this, but I, I want to be fair in that Tottenham went by what they believe to be the, the clause. Blackburn believe they have a loophole in that clause. So it's a dispute. The player wants to join. Uh, I'm sure they'll come to an agreement. So uh, Ashley Phillips, uh, I, I still also expect to come in, but I don't think that's going to be or can be included in the centre-back chat uh, in the same way as a Van der Ven taps over, toss in uh, Longley. I think this is a player that, although he has all the talent in the world, probably for the start, uh, it would go into the under-23s. But yeah, that's that's just how I see it. John, let's come to you. What have you made of Ange Postacoglu's time at Spurs so far and the way that he's conducted himself in the press conferences? Because I've got to admit, what I really like is when he's given a direct question, he answers very directly as well. There's absolutely no waffle. Um, you know, a journalist said, you know, about centre-backs, and he said, well, we're going to bring at least one in. Surely we've got to bring more than one in, and surely... Spurs have got to go out and buy real quality because, as Josh said, you know, I've no doubt we're going to bring in defenders, but it's the quality of the defenders. That's what I'm worried about. Yeah, I mean, we need we need two. Um, we need two. I've got, I've got a feeling it probably will be two, but one of the two will be Lengley. Who, who, by the way, I thought was OK. He was decent. good, Very good left peg. Um, but, you know, I'd rather have just tap, tap sober and this Mickey van der Ven who who looks like Grease Lightning, doesn't he? We've all seen that clip off YouTube, I'm sure. Unbelievable, you know. And if you're going to play that high line, you need you need really fast fast defenders who are assured positionally but can make up, you know, ground very quickly when a ball goes over the top because that's the attack most teams have now. But yeah, I really like, um, I like, I tend to like Aussies anyway, you know, because they're straight, you know, there tends to be a straightforwardness about them, the transparency. So I like him, you know, um, he's straightforward, answers a question. There's a there's an easy going way with him that we haven't had since Harry Redknapp, I would say, you know, because I like remember when Harry came in, do you remember we were bottom of the league and we had a really good squad, but we were bot we had eight points and it was October and we were all just starting to get scared. And Redknapp came in with that <clears throat> down to earth working class, East End, realistic manner, you know, and just like got them all together. Come on, you're good players. You know what to do. <laughs> you know, get out there and do it, you know. I think you'd like to attack. But this Ange, yeah, he looks uh, straightforward, obviously very methodical, you know. So I, I get this idea that you get it into the players. You're always going forward at speed, working triangles. So I can see how... That is the first thing to convey this thing of this instinctive thing of getting forward, 
in, embedding that into people's psyches before you start working on defending corners and stuff like that. But they're very competitive Aussies, you know, as we know. This guy's a dark horse. He's always felt he's been underrated and he'll be really looking to prove himself now. So, yeah, I, I like I like a bloke who can just say, all right, mate, you know, <laughs> give an answer. I like that, you know. I, I, I like Aussies. I love Australia because you, you can be a working-class guy. People are not interested in who you know. Or they want to know what you can do and what you're about. And that, that's what Aussies are. That's, that's what Australia's uh, its best is all about, you know. Have you got any bottle? What have you got? What, have you got anything about yourself? Yes or no? Whereas in this society, our society, it's a lot depends on what school you've gone to and your connections. I've worked with a lot of public school boy tossers who are in good high positions. <laughs> oh, mate, if I've worked with I've worked with old Etonians, I have. But my, my game is run by, you know, I met Richard Branson, you know, and all that. That's yeah, the first people, some of the first people I met. So I've met absolute public school boy and public school girl tossers, you know. Um, and that's the, that, that's why the country's in a state it is, because they, they're just not up to much. They're just not up to much. They haven't really got any life experience. So when the heat's on, they're useless like Cameron. OK, let's have a referendum. Right, now you've got a civil war, you know. So they're pretty useless. So Aussies, very much, what you about? What I like was a bloke is, I don't need me bloody assistance. I'll come in on my own. It's like a bloke walking in a pub where there might be some trouble. Yeah, I don't fuck it up. Sorry, I don't need any backup. I don't need any backup. I'll be here on my own. And, you know, if you if you do me, do me good because I'll be back next week. And, and a week after. So... You need a bit of toughness. It's a man's game and all that caper. You know, I'm not saying women can be tough than a men, so I'm not being sexist, you know, or anything. Is what it is. But so I like that he's got something about him because normally they've got to go holding hands with the same fitness guy they've had for years. They're holding hands coming into a club, you know. He's coming on his jacks. So I like the look of that. So I like the look of him. I think he looks a good a good fella, you know. And he's great. he's got a great background as well. And they're bonkers, which is quite good. Very fiery. You know, you know they're, they're they're quite at it. I was over there recently. They drive. They no cameras. If you say to them, don't really speed cameras. If <laughs> we'll blow them up if they stay at it. <laughs> so no speed. So there's a kind of a they're quite into rule breaking, you know, and uh, and all that. So and they drive at a million miles an hour. And the, the bird talking to people drinking. I was working there with my sons, and we went out after our show. It was really good and everything. And the the woman driving us, it was very nice. I said, uh, are you driving us back? And she said, yeah, why? I said, well, because you're smashing the Uzo, love. She said, no, don't worry. I can handle it. It's like, oh, OK. Set me son's get your seatbelts on. Just that's all I can say, you know. And we needed them. But we were chucking us about, you know. She went back 150 kilometres an hour. Down their version of a dual carriageway. Quite a few holes in the road and all that, but whatever. So so he's got a bit of that. So uh, I, basically, he looks a good geezer. Yeah, he looks... Whereas Conti, to me... We're all happy we got him. He was a winner, but you think, oh mate, you take yourself very right, I, seriously. I, you take yourself very seriously. You've got to have everything in place, all your mates with you, and you're complex like Mourinho. And to me, like Mourinho, yet again, I don't really sound sexist when I like a bit of an old tart Maureen. I called him, <laughs> you know. They're complex. It's complex, you know. You've got to, if you're the chairman, you've got to be you're walking on eggshells. That's even worse than your long haired bleeding midfield schemer. He's supposed to be the girly one, you know. So I'm probably digging a hole for myself here as an old 
out of touch bloke, but that's my views on it. So basically, Chris, I like the look of it. So I was going to ask you very quickly on that point, because what do you think is going to change this time around with Ange Postacoglu in? What's going to change now, uh, you know, in the in the backroom staff with, with him? Oh, um, well, he's got this this tough looking guy. Who is it? The ex-player this, with the Slavic yeah, name as well. And I like the look of him because he looks like he'll, he'll put the nut in. So I like I like the look of that, you know. Um, if someone turns up and they've, they've got a bit of attitude, it looks like he'll get stuck in. So that looks good. I like Ryan Mason. I've got nothing wrong with having continuity in a club, you know, and you need to develop that. You develop the culture of a club by having continuity, you know, so you can't have too much. There. You've got some link with the past and he's got that link with the Pochettino era and he might well go on. People say he's, he's a, you're, I've heard you say it, Chris, he's well fancied as an up-and-coming manager. So this yeah. could be another season or two where he learns under Postiguli and you develop a culture there. This is what happened with that great Liverpool. I couldn't believe it. Shankly left. We all felt Shankly was leaving a bit premier. And I liked him. It's my, football's more important than life and death. You know, I liked him. He's a growler, you know. And he left and we all thought, this is, a, you know, he's going a bit early. And then you had Joe Fagan and the other bloke. So you then had two winners because the culture at the club was his, both his backroom staff that no one really fancied, but they got, they both come good. Joe Fagan, who was the other bloke with the Geordie with the black hair? Forgotten his name. But the other manager, that, so there two fantastic managers come through from within the club because the the culture of the club via that boot room was so strong. Let again Liverpool, a tough working class city, very down. Oh, I know Liverpool very well. My my eldest boy lives there. Um, he's married to a scouse girl. And I said to him, "When I sit, son, you know you'll never get out." And Mum says, "Lovely girl," but I said, "You'll never get out. That's it. You're in Liverpool for the rest of your life." The rest of your life, and, and and it's a nice, you know, and he accepts that. He like he comes, so it's all good. Yeah, it had to be. Well, both my boys, Tottenham fanatics, they had to be. It was that's the fam. That was it, and that was the end of it. So I've made a man happy, and they cursed me for that. But such is life. You suffer as a family. You suffer together. You know. But anyway, that come out this the culture of a city, the culture of a club. Now. We've got a lot going for us. The culture, the working class culture of London, which you can connect with via the club. And I think this bloke will understand it. You know, we're quite a working class demographic still at Tottenham. You know, you, you know, it's quite rough edged, isn't it? The set, you know, what the shelf as it was, the park lane, the south stand. It's quite, it's as working class and all that as West Ham. You know what I mean? And. It, 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 I'm hoping with this front foot football, it's going to be like a fighter that comes straight out, like Tyson. You know what I mean? And so that's not, I can't help but be optimistic about it. And I like him. And I like the fact he's got some big tough geese there with a beard. I don't know. There's another guy joined from Celtic. All good. But the important thing, <laughs> the geezers, the geezers let us know he doesn't care because he's not a big, he's not, he's not soft. So he's the geezer who walk into the boozer on his own, he doesn't need anybody. He's a, he's a geezer, that's, so that's great psychologically. Rather than he's got to bring his fitness coach and they've got to come with all their mates, you know, and you've got to negotiate the packages for all the mates, you know, to come in because you've got to hold his hand. But I go on a session, no one's there holding my hand, 
I've got to deal with some of these singers. Some of the people I've worked for are lunatics. Some of the singers, you've got to be like a psychiatric nurse dealing with the people in the music game. Oh, some of the people in the music business, that you, you, you've got to have a lot of skills that, you know, they can be, they can be very nice, but they can be nutters. But you're going in and sit, you're on your own. I ain't got anyone to hold me in. And it's not in my bands. I expect everyone, everyone uh, themselves to have something about themselves. They go on stage not lean, leaning on anyone else. They've got their shit together. And that's a professional. It's like in Josh's game, right? You know, as a journalist, you know, you've got to, you've got to be your own person, haven't you? You've got to have something about yourself. You can't just be playing politics, playing to, to get on in life, using networking and all that, which, of course, is the modern way, you know. Anyway, so I like the geezer. I'm not that bothered with the start he's got. He'll choose him. It's all good. I like the fact that Ron's got a big beard and looks like he can throw a right-hander. I must say, that looks good to me. I mean, this is my attitude. I said this in the 90s, and maybe I shouldn't have said it. If I, was, I know you shouldn't do this, but it's something to be said for a club that, you know, one of your players starts to... I said this at the time, Sol Campbell was, was all that. And I, look, I, I'm just saying this is in an abstract way. I'm not condoning violence. But there's something to be said for a car bomb, say, with the, even with the top, just to keep everybody in line. If you were to, you know, I'm not condoning violence, but if you had a car bomb go off, say, you know, <laughs> so everyone knows and, you know, everyone knows then what's, you know, of a certain player, um, what's what, you know. But that was, that was how I felt then. I don't feel like that now. I'm just, it was something as, as an abstract concept that I, was saying if you if, if a chairman did that, it would soon it would focus people's minds suddenly. You know that, that that what they had to do, what they had to be, where their loyalty needed to lay. You know that was I mean it's almost like a film script type bit. But obviously I wouldn't condone violence. That was just an abstract concept about you know conveying to people the seriousness of intent that's required. I'm sorry I've dug a hole for myself. It's best I don't do it more. Sorry, sorry to go off topic. And just very quickly, we're getting a lot of comments asking uh, who are the nutters in the um, in the music industry that you've worked with. Well, Josh, I tell you, you have to be kept with liable laws and respect. But uh, <laughs> you know, or the entertainers. Everyone, but at some point, I will spill the beans on that. Yeah, but you know, I've known a few proper, yeah, cranks basically in the music business. A lot of people, as far as I'm concerned. You know, Ricky, let's come to you. Let's talk about the. Uh... <laughs> let's talk about the football again, yeah. Um, let's talk about the starting eleven. Um, Vicario in goal, Udogi, uh, Davis, Romero, Poro, Saar, Basuma, Madison, Son, Kane, and Kulisewski. How far do you think away that that starting eleven today is away from starting at Brentford in eighteen days' time? Probably two or three. Um, like the boys have been saying, and like yourself has been saying, you know, um, we, we've got a nail on our left and right back, who, who that's going to be and, and what balance that's going to be. Um, uh, the defensive partner for Romero, we've got to work out that because it can't be Davies. I mean, like, I think Davies is a utility player and I think he's a good squad player. I think he's, he's a guy that loves being at Tottenham, loves to improve. Um, I mean, not that we see it all the time, but you know what I mean? He he has that attitude to, to always improve himself. Um, from from what I've seen from the Amazon documentary and from what I see from, like, interviews and stuff like that, 
Um, so I think he's more of a squad player. So you've got to work out who that defensive partner is going to be for Romero and pretty damn quick. And then <clears throat> the midfield is kind of, you know, right now, I mean, from the starting eleven, it, I think that's going to be shaken up as well. Basuma looks like a nailed on six right now and he's doing really good. I'm, I'm loving what I'm seeing from him and I'm so happy for him because he was, he was the one that I was really excited about last, last season and for him to not get the minutes that he needed and then for him to get the criticism that he did and for him to not be played by Conte, you know, it, some some would say, especially when we needed it, some would say he's criminal um, that he wasn't played. But, you know, he's had a couple of injuries. The past was the past. We're in present day right now. We've got a new manager and we've got a new style of football and he is thriving underneath that. So, um, you know, we've brought in Madison. Who's going to be that left-sided uh, third midfielder? It looks like Lascelles right now. It, my pick would be Lascelles right now, from what we've seen, because that could be really exciting. You know, um, maybe Madison today didn't kind of impress or kind of put out his best performance. But what I did see about him is that he was very nippy, very energetic. He was in between the lines. He was always there for an option. His short pass and his long pass was really well balanced, uh, weighted. It was it was a well-weighted pass. Um, he didn't get his shots off. <laughs> Majority of them got blocked, but he was always there. And I think once he gets up to speed and once he kind of knows who's around him as well, I think he could be a very dangerous player. So having him and the Celso... So this, from, from the starting eleven, there's still a few shake-ups. The front three looks like the front three. Sonny, Kane and Kulazewski right now. But I think Solomon is going to have a lot to say about that. Um, we've also got to take into account that uh, Sonny's got cup duty come Wednesday, I think. Uh, not Wednesday, uh, January. Come January, I think I think he's got to go on to do some uh, South Korean uh, qualifications or something. I can't remember where it is, but I know that he's out at, um, during January time. So I think Solomon could have a really important part to play. So I think what Angie's doing right now is is shaking it up. I think we, we saw Romero and Tanganga against uh, West Ham. Today we saw Romero and Davis, which was the team sheet that he put out for Leicester. So I think he's, he's, he's mixing a match in. And I think that we were, we're about two free players off that, that kind of nailed on first 11. Um, but I think he's doing well. Uh, and just to jump on the back of, uh, of Ange as well, what I really like about Ange is that he is an underdog. And Tottenham have been an underdog story for such a long time. We've been doubted. We've been put down. Do you know what I mean? Like, you know, we've been, we've been bantered. And all of these things Ange has had throughout his career. So I, the more I see and the more I hear of him and the more I see him answer a question... And, and like you guys were saying there, you know, straightforward. I love the fact that he came in by himself and said, look, I'm here. I'm going to work with new coaches. I'm, you know, like all of the things that he's put forward is really kind of, is really impressed me. And I think that the fit between Tottenham and Ange could be a really good one going forward because he understands what it's like to be bantered. He understands what it's like to be doubted. He understands w when you're the butt of the joke. Do you know what I mean? And, for a long time, Tottenham has been those things too. 
So I, hopefully it's, it's a match made in heaven and hopefully he can install that kind of defiance and, and that kind of attitude to kind of prove people wrong under his, his tenure at Tottenham Hotspur. But of course, as always, with every single manager, whether it's a win-now manager or a project manager, he needs the tools to go to work, you know? And as he said in, in um, press conferences, they've been negotiating and working out defenders for a long while. And, you know, he wants them in himself. So as long as he gets the tools that I think he can work with, then I think we could have a really good season. Um, I've got to admit that the little bits of preseason that I've seen from other teams have looked very impressive. So it's not going to be a walk in the park, the Premiership, never is. Um, We're going to have battles and hurdles and mountains to climb. But I think with somebody like Antoine Stokoglu, leading the team forward, I think we could upset a, a, a lot of teams and a lot of places and a lot of positions in that league and um, upset some of Josh's colleagues in his office so he could give the banter back. Do you know what I mean? They might be giving him the banter back today being like, ah, oh, what, you know, lifting the Tiger Cup, are you? But come the end of the season, hopefully you've got a couple more bits of banter in your pocket to dish out to all of the Gooners and West Ham and and Chelsea in the office, Josh. Do you know what I mean? Fingers crossed. Something other than just crumbles on the menu to all the Arsenal fans. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's it. But, Josh, yeah, let me come to you now. Because, of course, Spurs went 1-0 down after 14 minutes. Um, Harry Kane equalised for Tottenham from the penalty spot in stoppage time at the end of the uh, of the first half. Saar brought down. What are the guys in your office saying at the moment about Harry Kane's future? Do, do they expect Harry Kane to move on? Do you expect Harry Kane to move on? Because this is another thing that I'm on about. 18 days before the Premier League season starts for Tottenham. If Spurs are or or, or going to sign, uh, sorry, sell Harry Kane, then surely it should have been done before this tour, not after it, because the longer it takes, the, the more difficult it's going to be before we bring in a quality replacement, it, it just seems a bit of a mess. Do you, would you do you think there's any chance of Harry Kane staying for another year? Well, there's always a chance. Um, I've well, mentally checked, I, I've look. I've mentally checked out from it. To be honest, I, my expectation is he's gone. That's that's just my gut feeling. Um, you know, I'm going to have to stick with one and hopefully be wrong or right, depending on, on the situation. You know, I, I said to you before, I said, you know, probably about 10, if not more times a day, my mind changes on this. Um, the unpredictable factor in all of this is Daniel Levy. That is the one wild card that makes this whole thing 10 times worse and 10 times more confusing. Because... But, but, but... But surely, Josh, surely before this tour, surely him, his brother, um, Charlie Kane, his agent, um, the football club, Daniel Levy and co, surely, and, 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 and Postacoglu, surely they've all sat down before the tour and, and have asked very direct questions. Harry, do you want to stay? Harry, do you want to leave? It's as simple as that, isn't it? And, and he shouldn't have been on the tour if that was the case. And he said that he wanted to leave. So this is what is really confusing. And, and, Again, it, it, it could be just down to another Tottenham comms nightmare where, you know, the club could come out and do what Bayern Munich is doing and play them at their own game and say, Harry Kane does not want to go anywhere. 
Harry Kane has committed to us uh, and we're working on a new contract right now. We all know we're working on a contract. The offer has been there. We all know that he rejected a contract when we last offered him one. But, um, you know, Bayern Munich are playing a game. You know, I still expect Bayern Munich to stump up 100 million. And I think at that point, there will be questions asked. But, I mean, reports of, of before, obviously, everything's happened with Joe Lewis. Reports of Joe Lewis stepping in and telling Daniel Levy to, to sell him if the money comes in. Claims of that. Claims of Bayern Munich now increasingly confident that they're going to sign him. The president coming out now for the first time uh, and making it clear. Bayern Munich uh, having a, a reshuffle behind the scenes to have directors specifically focusing on getting Kane through the door. Meanwhile, Kane is keeping his head down. He's keeping quiet. He's keep trying to be out of the limelight as much as possible, really. Um, and we are all left in the dark. It would not be difficult for Tottenham to come out and say he is for sale at this price or he is not for sale under any circumstances. He will remain at the club this season. And if he refuses to sign a deal, then we are taking that risk that he leaves on a free. That is, if they have a backbone, we need to see from our board the same level of directness um, that we're seeing from Ange in the press conferences because it's not fair on Ange to keep answering these questions. I thought there was a clown, that build journalist who came in with the cane shirt. I thought it was uh, really, really lowest of the low journalism, really bottom of the barrel stuff. Um, but every day that this goes on and the club failed to communicate with the fans over this and failed to communicate uh, quite readily with this um, indicates that... Uh, you know, perhaps he will be off. And, and and it seems likely that, you know, based on the Bayern Munich president's comment, they want to actually physically sit down at the table with Levy and negotiate the deal. So maybe we, as much as we'd like to think that they've had these very direct questions, maybe Keynes turned around and said, I want to give the gaffer a chance. I've not made my mind up yet. My wife, Kate, is heavily pregnant. You know, I've got a lot of things to think about. I want to give pre-season a crack. I want to get fit and I want to get ready to play football. I'm still here for another year on my contract and I want to make my mind up um, further down the line. And at that point, the club says, well, no, you are in that case, we will put you for sale. And this is the asking price. Or the club will say, well, then under no, then this is, this is the situation. The club are being, um, you know, potentially... Uh, played uh, a merry dance by Harry Kane and a merry dance by Bayern Munich. And that cannot happen. No player should be bigger than the club. I don't think Harry Kane has necessarily done anything wrong per se, but if Kane is holding this out, the club should be turning around and Anne should be turning around and say, well, this is very unfair on me and on your teammates who are looking to build a project. If you don't a hundred percent want to be here and a part of that future, get out doesn't matter who you are and what you've achieved. And I don't think we're seeing that. So I think actually exactly what I was going to say in terms of the conversations in the office is everyone believes the same thing. We all believe Kane deserves to win trophies. He deserves to play at the very highest level. Um, Levy is that wild card. Only Levy has the power to say, OK, this is it. You don't want to be part of this future and you can't commit to us now. It's now or never. Because the team needs to move on. There was life before Harry Kane. There's life after Harry Kane. 
Tottenham was a good side before and they can be a good side afterwards. I know it is painful to say that, but there is a level of directness and, you know, just being real that we've all got to have in this situation, which is we cannot allow Harry Kane to still make his mind up in November, December, sign with international clubs potentially on a free or agree uh, to join them in a free in the summer or risk him, uh, you know, waiting till the end of the season, potentially not signing a deal and doing a Sol Campbell. So that's where I'm at with it. It, It's now or never. And I'd be amazed if the the conversations weren't direct, but all the noises that seem to be coming out of both uh, camps, Bayern and and Spurs, and and of course, uh, the Harry Kane camp uh, as well, is that nothing is certain, nothing is done yet. So, um, and, and that level of, of not knowing it is really damaging. And the longer this goes on, um, you know, the more damaging it becomes. Chris, can I jump in on that just for a oh. second? You know what? So, so all the reports that I heard before preseason and going into, going into the summer has been that Tottenham will not sell, right? Tottenham are not going to sell Harry Kane. Um, so I've, I've heard that line. Now, when it comes down to Harry Kane himself, I've heard that he's quite open. He's quite open to staying. He's quite open to leaving. He's quite open to see what happens. So when you were talking about there, giving the gaffer a go and seeing what's happening in pre-season, all right, cool. I think us as, fa- as a fan base, I think we've all been mentally ready for him to leave at some point because we've had such a dire, and I, hate, I don't want to use the pun, but we've had such a dire couple of seasons that maybe him as a Tottenham fan and as a Tottenham man is fed up with it and he wants to move on. So I think that us as a fan base, even though it's going to be tough, I think us as a fan base have great in the back of our minds that at some point he will leave. Do you know what I mean? If it's not this year, it's going to be next year. But when we're talking about what he could bring to the team for this year, I think it's almost worth running the risk. I think that his goals, his presence, his assists, his... his kind of tenacity, the way that he, he 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 kind of shuts other teams up with his goals and his, and his kind of attitude as well. Um, I, I think that could be really valuable for us. You know, top five next year is Champions League. Champions League, that gets you a minimum of 60 mil. You know, the first opening bid from, from uh, Bayern Munich was 60 mil. So, uh, you know, all right, we might be going up to 100 mil. All right, may, maybe at that point, talks can start and maybe everybody could be happy at that point. I don't know. Not so much for me. But I think that his goals and the the potential position that he could put us in the league is almost worth running that gauntlet. You know, he didn't cost us nothing. Um, he's been a great servant to us. Um, of course, I w- personally, I, w- I would, if we're going to sell him, I, w- I would like to get the money for him. But I also believe that where he hasn't kind of cost us anything, that hopefully the, the goals and his kind of leadership uh, could get us back into the top four, five. And then from then, we're in a stronger position to replace him if, if need be. Do you know what I mean? Because uh, we, we've heard this as Tottenham fans year in, year out. When it comes down to certain targets, oh, well, you know, you're not, you're not in the Champions League, so I don't really want to play for you. We've heard that left, right and centre. Do you know what I mean? Or you're not doing this or you're not doing that or whatever the case may be. Don't you think Harry Kane is very similar to the fans right now of like all of us yeah. fans are saying show ambition, get these centre-backs in. Don't you think Harry Kane's saying that exact same thing? Absolutely. And I think that if we look back to the meeting that he had with Daniel, I think it was Daniel Levy last, at the end of last year, 
and they were speaking about getting back to the values. Do you know what I mean? I, I think it was when Mason took over when he was like, "We want to get back to the to the values." We've had meetings, and he's given his opinion on what needs to change at Tottenham. So that's where, again, with exactly what you said there, Chris. That's why I think that these defenders are even more important because that's the ambition that he needs to see. He needs to see that certain players are going out, but he needs to see the right players coming in so that he can look at it and go, this is not going to be a same old season. We're not just going to go through the motions and go on that crazy train ride that we normally go on. You know, we've got the, the club have actually backed us. They've put the money where their mouth is and we're actually going to go and try to achieve things. Do you know what I mean? And and that's another question that it raises. When Josh was talking about pulling out 50 mil from the sky to go and get a world-class defender, well, we've still got that 50 mil sitting there in the bank. I don't understand why we can't just go out there and buy the two defenders that we've named and put forward on that list as our top two targets that could transform our defence. This, this is over, exactly... And, sorry, could I just add to that? No, was, no, go, go, go. This is, this is exactly why I said all of this comes down to Daniel Levy. Levy is the wild card in all this. This is why us as Tottenham fans simply cannot predict whether he's going to stay or go because it all comes down to him. This is why I said, if you want to act like a big club, you buy your targets in before you have sold the players on. Look at Arsenal. They've spent over 200 million before they've moved those players on that they need to move on because they are thinking big picture. They're thinking about what they can achieve. You're not going to do that by waiting and missing out on your targets. But the other thing is, you know, I would just say on that, on the risk of losing Kane, of course he gives us, the, he, 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 no one even needs to, it doesn't need to be said what he brings to the team. Mm-hmm. He is Mr. Tottenham as far as I'm concerned, because I wasn't alive for Billy Nick. So he's Mr. Tottenham in my eyes. And, and I wasn't, you know, uh, alive to see Gary Mabbott play either. So, you know, or, or Perryman for that matter. But he is one of those long list of players that will go down as a Tottenham great one of the greatest to ever play for the club, you know, and if not the greatest to ever play for the club. So um, he doesn't owe us anything. I always say this, he doesn't owe us anything. But at the same time, we've got to be smart because the thing that matters most is money. Money talks. Um, You can play the game and risk, you know, this competitive, uh, the the competitive nature of the Premier League is only going to get more competitive play the risk of top four, which we may or may not get. Top six might be the target for a weedo behind closed doors, just improving on last season. So, and that's not going to be enough for Kane. We need to go and actually spend, it doesn't matter whether it's now, it doesn't matter whether it's next summer, any striker that is going to be good enough to come in to fill the void of Harry Kane is going to cost money and a lot of it, a lot of it. We're talking about, you know, one striker for me that stands out as a, a natural player that we should go for if Kane was sold is Victor Osimhen. They're not going to get round the table for anything less than 120 uh, to 150 million anywhere in that kind of ballpark. Tottenham are not going to be prepared to spend that, or we've not seen Tottenham prepared to spend that kind of money. So, you know, this is why we cannot afford to lose them on a free. And this is exactly why Daniel Levy has a decision to make. And the only way you are going to keep Kane, in my opinion, is not actually top four. It's about showing you're not just going for top four, but you want to be competitive with the Man Cities, the Arsenals of this league, the very top team, by buying your top choice centre-backs, spending the money. And, and the only other thing, right, and this is going to sound completely far-fetched, but maybe you can hold on to a, 
uh, you know, uh, tiny, tiny, tiny uh, bit of hope is that the reason for this delay is that Tottenham are working on a left field signing that is going to blow everyone's minds. This is not inside information. This is it makes no sense in my mind as to why Tottenham have not managed to get these players in now. And the only other thing is it's been a window of a bit of left fields. Maybe there could be a defensive left field that blows everyone out of the water and just convinced we're getting a defender. Um, but unfortunately, it sounds like pie in the sky to me. So it all, it all comes down to one man who has the power to say, right, Harry, you commit now or you're gone or I'm going to show you why you should stay. And you put your money where your mouth is and, and you let the actions do the talking. We've seen for far too long Levy say all these great things but the actions time and time again do not back it up. That's what I want to see. And, and, and I hope, you know, that's what everyone else wants to see as well. Just a quick yes or no from all three of you. Will Harry Kane be a Spurs player on the 2nd of September when the transfer window closes? Joe, what do you think? Oh, I, I just, it's the one question. It's Levy. God knows. You know, honestly, I just can't give a yes or no to that. The thing that bothers me is it will drag on and on and on the way it did a couple of years ago. That bothers me. And I'd, I'd put it this, I can tell you this, I can't give you yes or no whether he'll be there or not, because I heard you, Chris, being very sure he would stay, you know, up to, you know, going back a few weeks. You, you, you're, you're, you said your feeling was from around the Spurs camp that Kane wasn't going to go anywhere. Spurs as a football club are adamant that Harry Kane is not going anywhere and they want to show real ambition in this transfer window. Um, I know there's a lot, you know, there's a fair amount of uh, time left of the transfer window. Um, but of course, as you've all said, and as I feel as well, you want to be starting that Premier League season with the centre-backs that we need uh, to take us forward as a football club because, of course, we've got no European football. So, you know, that is that is something we must address straight away, you know, get back into Europe. I know it's a, a transition. I know Ange needs to do a lot in this transfer window and the next transfer window and so on, but we want to get back into Europe and I think that that is the next progression with him at the football club now. But as far I'd as... Rather, I'd, rather, I'd rather Harry Kane went and he's been a lovely, what a great player and a, and a really good good fella by the looks of it you know really good fella one of your own but you know and he uh, uh, for me at 30 Harry Kane deserves European football I think we'd all agree that you know um I'd, you're, I'd, you're, I'd rather you're, you're edging I'd rather, towards him going aren't you I'd rather him go I'd rather him go I would rather him go and let Ange get on with a new post-Kane era to be honest it's a bit bitter pill to swallow if for some reason Harry Kane said, no, I'm staying and I'm committing to this. I really like the new gaffer. Wonderful. Wonderful. If all that happened in the next couple of weeks or so and he decided to stay and Levy facilitated that. But I don't think that will happen unless he signs a, a new contract. Would you sign a new contract now if you're Harry Kane? At this point, at this stage of your career, seeing that he's never won anything with Tottenham, if I was was his brother, I'd say don't sign it because you don't know what's going to happen. You know, Um, you can be a free agent next year. And at this point, he deserves to he deserves to, to 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 win stuff and to be in a successful setup. I mean, I I, 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 it's just a, a, a gut feeling is I'd rather him go now. A good feeling 
Tottenham bringing 95 million quid, you know, use it to strengthen the squad a bit. I'd rather that. I, I know lots and lots and lots of supporters would absolutely vehemently disagree with that. And I, I could be made to change my mind if I saw something from Levy and from from Kane. Not sure that's going to happen. What would you say then, Jai, if if, if, uh, if they got near £100 million for Harry Kane and they bought in uh, Tabsober and Van de Ven and pretty much spent that money on those back two and then had Richarlison up front to replace Harry Kane, would you be happy with that? Yeah. He's the kind of centre-forward that Ange could work with. I like him, you know. Um, I remember at Everton, he was like their only kind of forward up front and he fought manfully. You know, he really puts a shift in and he's not unskillful. You know, and it, it you, at some point you have to get on with life after a top player. At some point, you know, and at least it's best to do it, you know, in a way that you're prepared and you're getting some money for, so you can so- soften the blow. You know, I mean, the ball's not in our court; it's not in the club's court, is it? It's only a year on his contract. You know, so I think the club might have to let it go. And then you get into the situation that you had with Sol Campbell when he went, you know, and it was his choice. Um, at least with Sol Campbell, of course, we had what, for my mind, was an even better player in Ledley King, you know. So and maybe Ledley wouldn't have come through so good if Sol Campbell had, had gone, you know. So Ledley come through, and you always felt Ledley was a, a proper sort of Tottenham player, you know. Um, <laughs> we're at, the, at the moment, we haven't, have, there isn't anyone like Kane. He's such a great goal scorer. It's such a, you know, force of nature. But, you know, nature abhors a vacuum. And if he goes, you know, Richie, you never, you know, someone could come, Richie could suddenly be scoring 25 goals in a year. We might start seeing more goals around all the players. Well, it might be a case where Kane's just too big for this Tottenham squad, you know, and should be, should really be Kane, Harry Kane, the likes of Harry Kane should be in a Champions League club at his age. He should be in a Champions League club. To miss out on a year now at this point, this age of Champions League football is a really big deal, you know. Yeah. Rick, yes or no? <laughs> you know, it's never going to be just yes or no. Um, you know, I mean, I I don't want him to go nowhere, I, and I see him staying. I'm seeing and hoping and praying that he stays at Tottenham. The only thing that's got me apprehensive is that all the tour material has had Madison, Sonny and Richarlison on it. Why wouldn't you have Kane on it? That mural uh, that mural in Perth, um, I think it had Richarlison and Sonny on it. Why wouldn't you have Kane on it? Um, so when I've seen him being taken off certain material, I think maybe they're prepping in case he goes. And... That's, that's what's ap- apprehensive for me when I've seen those things. But even when Hugo said at the end of last season, or it might have been a couple of months ago, I'm not sure right now, but he was like, it's the end of an era. And when he said that, I don't. I, part of me didn't feel that he was talking about himself. Part of me felt that he was talking about himself, Kane, Dyer, David. Like that that era is about it's, it's about to be broken up. So there's been a couple of apprehensions, but. Look, I've always said to every single Tottenham fan, while he's wearing a shirt, keep calm and carry on. Don't pay any attention. Don't pay any attention to the headlines, to the Twitter. Don't pay any attention to it. And I know it's hard to say, but 
while he's wearing a shirt, he's a Tottenham player. Do you know what I mean? He's always been a Tottenham player. The one thing that Harry Kane wants to do is win with Tottenham. That's what he wants to do. But he needs to see that ambition that we were just talking about. He needs to see that investment. He needs to believe in the project. That, you know what, actually, not only have you brought players in, but we've got a manager that we can actually go and achieve things. Rather than just scraping a top four, rather than dismissing all the cups, domestic cups, um, and, you know, well, even the Champions League last year, when it dismissed everything last year. But he, he, I'm he just getting a charger. I'm getting oh, a charger. Man. But he needs to see that ambition from Ange. He needs to see that ambition from Levy, the club. He needs to he needs to feel it so that he can move forward with it. But so for me, I'm still going to say he's staying. I'm still optimistic. He's still wearing the shirt. I see him in training. Saw him in the training video today. You know, uh, no, uh, that was yesterday. Saw him in the game today. So, you know what I mean? While he's wearing the top, while he's got the, the cockerel on his shirt, come on, you Spurs. He'll be Josh, there. Josh, please give me a, a yes or a no. Simple yes no. or no. No. You don't think he'd be a Spurs player on the 2nd of September? No, I, okay. think, I think we're going to see another club come in. I think we're going to see okay. another club come in, not buy him. Um, right, just wanted to talk about the um, side in the second half. Austin, Regulon, Dyer, Tanganga, Royale, Perisic, Hoybier, Skip, Lacelso, Richarlison and Solomon. Um, of course, Lacelso scored in the second half. Richarlison got hat-trick. Um, Josh, last question for you. Um, Richarlison, if Harry Kane was to be sold and Richarlison was his replacement, is he good enough? Is he good enough? Unproven? Not yet. Um I'm okay with it. I think he has the potential to be. I mean, this is Brazil's number nine. When you see him playing for Brazil, he certainly is good enough. It's whether we can get that Richarlison. Um, but you asked the question before to, I think it was to Joe, you asked him uh, about if Kane was to be sold and that money was to be spent on the centre-backs and Richarlison was the number nine, would I be happy? Absolutely not. We should have already budgeted for the centre-backs. That money should be going into a world-class centre-forward, a Randall Kolo Mouani, Dusan Vlajevic, a player of that quality that's going to cost you at least £70 million to get through the door. Simple as. Um, but is he good enough? Time will tell. I think he's got the potential. And I'm not an anti-Richarlison kind of fan. I am very much a Richarlison fan. I just think that Richarlison could be aided by having another top forward in. For me... Mentally, now that Appender's not free in the window, my head's with Randall Colo Mwani. I think he's got all of the physical attributes, the pace, the skill, everything that you need that could complement a player like uh, Richarlison really, really well. Um, so, yeah, that, that's my take on it. Last question for you all, and Jai, we'll start with you. Um, 18 days away is that Brentford game, as I keep mentioning. What do you expect to happen in those next 18 days, either transfers in or transfers out? <laughs> well, you know, we get two centre-backs in, please God. Um, I would like to see Dyer go. Yeah, again, I think he's a, he's a good lad. Look, you know, I'm sure he's a good fella, but um, I think he's, he's past his sell-by date. It's amazing he's been there as long as he is, but it looks like he's not going, doesn't it? He looks like he's staying. Sanchez should go. I think he will. I think he'll go. I'd like to think Davis would go. You know, um, Rodon, that's been a complete dud. I thought he looked a good player at Swansea, but, you know, it's a big step up. And he'd he done well in the Wells as part of a back three, I thought. 
he's got to go, Tanganga. So you're getting up to five or six there. But really, you've got to let, I would have thought about 10 go, haven't you? Because it's, what, 31 or something in the, 37 in the squad? It's ridiculous. You just so sold a whole defence. <laughs> well, do you know what? And do you know how much they're worth to Bob? Sorry. You know, horrible thing to say. Do you know what I mean? It's honestly, you know, uh, uh, I said, if I want, I said, I get one free. I said, if I want, I said, I get one free. It's, you, know, it's, uh, you know, I'm sorry if I cause offence. I really say some uh, stupid old uh, ball sometimes. I'm sorry I talk rubbish, but yeah, they're just not up to it, you know. And um, let, I'd like to see some decent. I mean, Romero is okay. He's a World Cup winner, you know. He's okay. If Lengdy come in, I'm all right of him as in the squad. But we need at least one proper, proper world class defender. And then I'd, I'd be happy, even if Kane went. I'd, I'd, I'd be happy with Carlison leading that line. And, and a young guy like Scarlett as a backup or something, to be honest, at this point, you know. Um, although I don't think, yet, yet again, these guys get talked up a lot like Scarlett and Parrot over the years. And we all know it's such a huge, huge step up, especially for strikers, you know. Yeah. I, I like to think I can spot a good player, but I was, the, I was there when Harry Kane made his debut and missed the penalty. And I said that night, these geezers, typical of these academy strikers, these bread-and-butter academy strikers. The most he'll do is be a championship player. Look at him. He hasn't got anything special about him. And I think I was right on the night. You know, he didn't have a turn of pace. He looked like he could. He didn't have a trick in him. But he went on to be Harry Kane, you know. Um, so there you go, you know. Um, so I don't know. But with if, if Kane went, I could live with it. Because Tottenham's bigger. Tottenham's bigger than Harry Kane. And he'd admit that. Tottenham's also bigger than Enik, and it's bigger than than, um, than Levy. You know, might surprise Levy that, but you know, we're all here. We're you know, as a group of people, Tottenham fans, we'll we'll be okay, I think. You know, because of the spirit in the club with the supporters. Ricky, what do you think is going to happen in the next eighteen days? I think we're going to have a um, a lot of outs, and I think hopefully we have at least three more ins as well. Um, I think that we've got to look at the loan system as well, who's going to go out on loan. Uh, I think it was a shame for Brian Hill to not be on the tour because I think Ange would have loved him and it would have been great for us fans to see how he's come back and, you know, how he wants to integrate himself into the team. So, you know, uh, my, my baseline prediction is that what needs to be done gets done. And that's me predicting it Praying for it, hoping for it, wishing for it. Um, um, you know, what needs to get done, gets done, which is those that need to be out the door between, like we were saying there, between the, the numbers of six and ten, they need to be out, <clears throat> sold. Then we've got our loan players. But we need to secure, like we've all said here, two uh, top-class defenders and maybe one more, whether that be... A midfielder or whether Harry goes or whatever the case may be, there'll be one more other. It might even be a third defender if we sell all the defence, uh, like Joel was saying there a bit earlier, you know? So that's what I'm hoping for. I'm hoping what needs to get done gets done and we go into the season with a lot of optimism. Josh, what can realistically be done in the next 18 days? I think we're going to get two defenders in. I think we're going to get Van der Ven in and I think we're going to get Longley in. I'm going to put my neck on the line here. I'm just going to be as direct as Ange with this. 
Uh, I think Phillips is 50-50. If it does get done, there's a good chance we loan him back to Blackburn. Um, I think that we're going to get Sanchez out. My gut feeling is Turkey. Although there was that Spartak Moscow, I just don't think he wants to go there. Um, I think Galatasaray is a far better option or Fenerbahce, one of those types of clubs. Um, I think that we're going to see one midfielder leave the club. And I think Manchester United are going to come back in for Harry Kane. Um, and I think that Man United are going to potentially put in a big offer. And I think Bayern Munich are going to uh, the old Enia Luko, um, a club coming in with a higher offer. And potentially then that might force Bayern to make a bigger option, uh, offer. I still think he'll be there at the start of the season. I think this is going to go down to deadline day and also the owner, uh, the ownership situation at Man United. But my, I've just got this weird feeling United are going to come back in. Him. I know they've put a bid in for Hoyland today, around £50 million. Pounds. Um, but at that price, to be honest, I think Hoyland would be a better fit for a club like Spurs. So, um, yeah, I can see United coming back in for Kane. I think we're going to get Sanchez out. I think we're going to get Roden out. I think that, uh, yeah, one midfielder is going to go and, and we'll get two centre-backs in. I think we'll get Van der Ven and, and Longley through the door. And then I think whether we get Tapsober or um, Toss in, I think that might depend on any further outgoings. I'm going to put my neck on the line, as I said. I'm fully prepared to be wrong. Uh, and I hope I am wrong in terms of, um, you know, the Kane thing, because I hope it's resolved 100% at this point. Um, and maybe, you know, Tapsoba does come in as well. Who knows? But yeah, that's, that, that's my gut feeling for the next 18 days. Well, Josh, thank you so much for joining us this evening. Um, where can everyone find you on social media and what are you up to at the moment? At Josh TV on socials. Um, yeah, tweeting stuff. I'm going to be... Um, retweeting and sharing and, and posting any updates I've got on this Joe Lewis um, situation as well. I know he's going to court today. Um, Tottenham fans, a lot of them I know will have questions about that. Um, my understanding though is, and it's worth just saying quickly, that Tottenham as a club is highly unlikely, if at all, going to be affected by this. Um, so whether you want it or not, to, to affect the ownership of the club, I don't think it's going to have any bearing. Um, and yeah, just just at Mail Sport on the socials, finding lots out, lots of transfer lines, getting stuff out, uh, creating some fun content, uh, and and hopefully doing many more of these to come. And thanks uh, once again, Chris, for having me on. It's been it's been a lot of fun. And thanks, Ricky, and thanks, Joe. It's been uh, great to meet you guys. Look forward to having you back. Thank you, Josh. And Joy, thanks so much for coming on for the very first time. Apologies about my Wi-Fi connection at the very beginning. Oh, but mate, it's no problem. I hope I haven't caused offence to anybody. Just I talk a bit rough and ready. Something. I'm only having a joke after time, by the way. You know, if anyone, you know, but I'm an old dinosaur, so bear with me. I'm only having a joke. But, um, yeah, anyway, my news, there's going to be a retrial. I was never there on the night in question. That's the first thing I'd like. No, I'm only joking again. <laughs> Um, <laughs> so now I've got a new record coming out, a brief history now, and it's a proper Cleopatra record in LA, spoil me, so that it's proper old school situation. I've got videos out there now. I've got a video of a of a single called Last Exit, and then the, the album's out with another video next week, so it's fully released. And I've got a tour in October 
which is built around Tottenham Hotspur. I've got two season tickets, pathetically. I'm a, I'm like the junkie, you know. I've just, I'm going to give it up, man. I've had enough. I can't take it. I hate them. I hate them. Everyone. And then I, then I renew, you know. It's, I mean, running a football club is better than being a heroin dealer because you've got the loyalist <laughs> first fans. If you, if you're on smack. You'll go to the dealer that's got the best match at a better price. But, of course, with Tottenham fans, you'd give us any old shit and we'll keep coming back and we'll be optimistic about it. Old mugs like me sitting here talking about our oh, the new gaffer. And yeah, I've got a good feeling. We've got, we've, we've got us as Spurs fans. No, no man's bigger than the club, you know, all this pathetic nonsense. And you can remind me I said that when we're bottom in October. <laughs> no, 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 it's going to be, we're not, we're not going to be. Well, John, we look forward to having you back on. I love, I love having a chat and I've enjoyed this, lads. Thank you. Love you to meet you all. Thank you so much. We look forward to having you back on in the near future. And Ricky, thanks so much as always. Where can people find you? Oh, you guys know where to find me. I'll probably be on here with you at some point, Chris. And But if not, I'm on uh, Twitter at, at Ricky J Norwood. Um, official Ricky Norwood on Instagram. And um, like I say, probably be here in a couple of weeks' time, if not the next game. So, um, yeah, man. And I've got to say a big thank you to all of the messages of love that have come to all of the guests, but including myself, from Chris, from everyone around the world, from, from Australia to Singapore to Thailand, everybody out there that makes this show what it is and all the comments and all the love that you give, especially to Chris seeing him out there, but to all of us, it's, it's, it's very much appreciated and very much um, like it's, it's a beautiful thing. It's a beautiful thing. So I want to thank you all and I want to send you all loads and loads of love and I look forward to seeing you all very, very soon. Yes, thank you for that, Rick. I should have actually said at the very beginning uh, if I didn't have the Wi-Fi problems, but the, the feedback uh, in all three countries where I've been, Australia, Thailand and here in Singapore, the feedback uh, for this channel and for uh, particular guests on the podcast as well has been absolutely unreal. So uh, thank you to everybody who's come up to me. And, uh, and very quickly, uh, Chris, can I just say very quickly, be careful the duck's tongue. Last time Singapore, I've never had an allergic reaction to food before. I've had an allergic reaction with people. Arsenal fans bring me out in a rash, funny enough. But anyway, <laughs> I, come back. I went out, I had loads of duck's tongue in Singapore in that square, yeah? Old Cushdy started to feel a bit rough and itchy and all that. By the time I got on the plane, I was like the Michelin man. I was like the oh. Michelin man. So be careful the ducks' tongues, mate. They're not big, but they, yeah, they pack a punch. Well, it's past two a.m. here, so uh, I'll be coming home later today. So uh, <laughs> there you go. Man. Thank. You. Thank you so much for um, coming on, Ricky, Jaya and Josh. Really appreciate it and uh, love talking to you this evening. And thanks for watching, everybody. Thanks for listening. And uh, we will see you again soon. Until the next time, come on, you Spurs. Come on, Spurs. Come on. See you, lads. Come on. Thanks, lads. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximize your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hold up. What was that? 
Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com.